Well, if you have your Bibles, let's, let's turn to Acts 2. How's that sound this morning? Acts 2. I know Pentecost, man, it's so awesome. What an awesome day it is. This is my favorite day, one of them. But let, how many know this this morning, that without Pentecost, none of the other days would mean anything? Because he sent forth his spirit. He birthed the church. And the message of the gospel went to the Gentiles. I'm one of those people. Come on, somebody, this morning. <laughs> and if the Holy Spirit, who he sent forth hadn't drawn me to the father then i wouldn't have been able to really believe and put my trust in him this morning come on somebody and believe in his virgin birth believe in his his death his burial his resurrection it is the holy spirit who inspires us who empowers us who enables us to live for him so i'm thankful this morning for pentecost sunday and it's so good to be in the house um and as we reopen this week i know it's weird we've got Things are just not normal yet. I don't know if they'll ever get back to normal. And who knows what normal means? It's a setting on a dishwasher last I checked. But we all have our own normal, right? <laughs> so, and and it's all, all of us, I think, could say this morning, our normal has been disrupted. And that we may be looking at a new normal whatever that may be and they keep talking about in the news the new normal but i want to say i believe pentecost was supposed to be a new normal for us and how to live and you know i look back and i say what is god's intended design for the church and for god's people and we see it at Pentecost, how we are to live, how the early church lived. And I believe God wants us to do a reset. How many have some of these devices in your house, right? And, and we can go in here, and what's nice about these things is that we can set them up. We can customize them. We can put our own apps on them. We can put our background picture that we like. We can make it how we like it to look, right? And each of us have a different design on that. But there's a setting in here. And you can go in the menu. I live in the technical world, so just, just, just flow with me for a second. You can go in the menu here, and you can restore the device to what it says, factory settings. And you can restore it back to what the manufacturer sent it as. To the manufacturer's original settings. And as I was praying and preparing for this service this morning, I'm going, what if... In the midst of this shaking and, 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 and testing that we're in, if God's intention is that we would come out of this with a little bit of a reset. A reset back to the factory settings, back to the original design for what God meant the church to be. I'm so glad that church didn't get paused even though we were separated because the church isn't a physical building. We are the church. We are the living stones of God's building, his church. And so even when we're apart, we're together. We, we are still connected through the body of Christ, through Jesus. And so, but, but we have to be together. We have to be together. There comes a time. But what if God desires to rid the church of some of its mods, some of the changes we've made, some of the trends we've embraced that maybe don't represent his original design. 
And I think to look back, we got to go to the birthplace of the church, to the place where God poured out his spirit, to the place where God ignited the early church in, and into the world. So let's look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says this, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Somebody say one place. One place. <laughs> the time was Pentecost. This feast had two meanings. It was an agricultural meaning and a historical meaning. It was the middle of three annual Jewish harvest festivals and was called either the Feast of Harvest because it celebrated the completion of the grain harvest or the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost because it took place seven weeks or 50 days after the Passover, which was when the grain harvest began. And they would mark this holiday this celebration, this feast, by them taking a portion of their field and harvesting it, tying the wheat together into sheaves and bringing them in and an offering them before the Lord as a wave offering. Can somebody do one of these this morning, all right? The Old Testament, they had two pieces of bread. I believe that represented the Jews and the Gentiles together. Come on. So they waved it before the Lord as the first fruits, the first fruits offering. And unto God. And this place, you know, a lot of times, and I think I've probably said it before, I just, you know, I always thought that the believers stayed in that upper room from Acts chapter 1 where they began to pray, where Jesus told them to wait until they were endued with power from on high. They were in that place for 10 days, and however, the, the Jews gathering, it says that they were there, that the Jews gathering there for the feast were there for the feast, and the one place where they would have gathered was the Temple Mount. And it also says later in Acts that they were the, the, the disciples regularly gathered at Solomon's porch. So some people believe that they were in Solomon's porch when this, when this outbreak began of the Holy Spirit. Because all those people from, from, it says, every nation under heaven by Luke's writing says was represented that day in Jerusalem. How significant is that today? That God poured out his spirit on so many different races and nations. Come on. That he reversed what happened at Babel. At Babel, man arrogantly tried to reach heaven. And God had to disperse them. Because of their pride. At Pentecost, God humbly came down in his, by his spirit and brought us back together. In one language of the spirit. Amen. So this was, this was the place. The people, 120 disciples, including the apostles and other followers of the Lord. And so I want to look this morning, as we look at Acts chapter 2, and I'm not going to be long I hope. Every preacher says that. I'll get you out of here before two. All right. What characteristics do we see in God's original design for his church? What do we see in his DNA for the church that maybe is a part of what should be our new normal? Amen? Number one is fellowship. It says that they were in one accord. Now, I know we have fellowship in our name at this church, and if I told you to get up and greet each other, even with your masks on, you, I would still have a hard time breaking you apart because we miss each other, right? But we love fellowship. But this is a special kind of fellowship. 
This wasn't just gathering together and surfacey interaction. This was them being of one accord. And this word in the Greek means that they were of one mind, with one accord, with one passion. With one passion. And this word, which I'm going to attempt to pronounce, homothumadon, come on somebody, has <laughs> found 10 Ten of twelve times it's in the book of Acts and it describes a uniqueness of the Christian community. How many know we have a uniqueness when we gather? We have a uniqueness when we come together. We have something that bonds us together that no one else has in the world who doesn't, have, who doesn't share this faith in Christ Jesus. There's a uniqueness of Christian community. And in fact, that uniqueness is so attractive. It's so attractive that the Bible says that they will know you by their, they will, they will know they were Christians by what? Their love for one another. That sense of community, this special uniqueness we have in community. But this word is a compound of two words. It means to rush along and in unison. The image here, the image here is almost musical. It's a number of notes that are sounded, which while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. A special harmony of people coming together in one accord, in one mind, in one passion. As the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. Isn't that beautiful? He blends us together. You are each uniquely Created in the image of God. You have a unique expression of God in you. You have unique giftings. How many, God, we have diversity in the body of Christ. There's a diversity, not only of nations and of races, but there's a diversity of gifts. And we celebrate that diversity. We celebrate that diversity. That God didn't make any of two of us the same. That the way Jesus expresses himself in you is different than somebody else. And, but we need that unique expression of you in the body of Christ. We need it. I had this wonderful experience, and I've I'm, I'm probably shared this example before, but it was so impactful to me. At my workplace, we have a leadership conference every year. And this particular year, that we were meeting together, they, they said there's a surprise at the end and they would not tell us and nobody knew what the last meeting would be. And so the doors were shut into the uh, conference hall that we were going into and we didn't know what to expect. And as they opened the door and as we filed in, we found ourselves being seated in the middle of a symphony. It was incredible. And so the conductor stands up there and he begins to do this. And he begins to conduct all those diversity of, of instruments. And you hear this beautiful harmonized sound, pitches and tones coming together to make this beautiful sound. And I remember sitting there just going, wow, that's amazing. But then he used the opportunity and he said, well, now let me show you. And he, he was trying to illustrate how leadership and organizations work. And I won't go into all that stuff, but I'll say this. He said, when one of these instruments begins to do its own thing, and he demonstrated what that sound like. When one instrument wants to be like, I'm going to do my thing. And it ruined the whole sound. <laughs> you could tell of a clear distinction between when they were in harmony and when one was doing a different thing. 
And it demonstrated to me that God's picture and God's intent for us as the church is that when we come together, we each understand and we begin to get a revelation of the unique gifting that God has in us, the unique way that God has created us and and, and equipped us to minister and serve in his body. And as we understand that, we're not worried about what so-and-so's doing or this person's doing. We understand our place and who God's called us to be and to function in his body. Amen? So this one accord they had was special. This one accord of the early church made them effective in prayer. In Acts chapter 4, it says they came together in one accord when they were faced with threats. When they were faced with threats. And they prayed out, and, they began, and, the, play, and the Bible says that the place where they prayed, that one accord prayer was so, power, so powerful that it shook the place where they prayed. That one accord prayer was so powerful. That one accord that they had as believers, as disciples together was so powerful that, they, that the Holy Spirit was able to show them who was to be sent out, anointed, and to go out and minister. It was so powerful that they were able to see miracles and signs and wonders break out. This was their normal because they had a one accord. In Romans chapter 15, 5 through 6, it says, Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded. Somebody say like-minded. Toward one another according to Christ Jesus. That you may be with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can't achieve the kind of oneness that is described here except that we spend time together in one place sometime. And when it comes to um, the importance of gathering, we, we, you know this verse, Hebrews chapter 10, these pa- this passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Do you know why it's there? Do you know why that warning is there? Because as the day approaches, it gets harder to hold fast. He needed to exhort them because the temptation of those Hebrew Christians was to go back. They had lost everything, the pressure, the persecution, everything was so strong that it was a pressure against them and they they, they were tempted to not hold fast. So he says, hold fast without wavering for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Your promises stand. Yes. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Let us consider, think about it. And then it goes to not forsaking our assembling together as is the habit of son, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. How many know the day is drawing near? The day is drawing near. And you know, when we decided as pastors it was time to reopen it wasn't because other churches were doing it thank god for that we prayed this we've been praying this week for our pastors making these decisions you know they're faced with many challenges in doing this but we felt in late april early may from the lord we could not go any longer than may for the sake of his people for the importance of gathering Not in rebellion, nothing like that, but to gather because God commands us to gather. 
and understanding how significant it is when God's people come together in, in his presence. Amen? So we see number one, fellowship. Number two, Acts 2. We'll keep rolling here. And suddenly, somebody say suddenly. That's got to be one of your favorite words in the Bible. Come on. Because there came from heaven. It came from heaven, a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Beautiful. It was from heaven. It was suddenly. It was violent or mighty. Violent or mighty. Because the power of God is now weak. It's mighty. And when he shows up, when his presence manifests in a community, in a body of believers, it's mighty. It's undeniable. That should be our normal. That the presence of God that is in our lives, in our gatherings as a community of believers, is so evident, so mighty, that the world can't deny what is happening. Amen? They heard and saw. And this is similar. When you look back, you all, this was also historical. When they celebrated Pentecost, they also recognized it was 50 days from the Exodus to Mount Sinai where God gave Moses the, the law. And on that mountain, there was lightning. There was thunder. There were sounds. Just like the day of Pentecost. When he gave the old covenant, there was lightning, there was thunder, there was those things. But then on the day of Pentecost, when he gave the new covenant, when he fulfilled the new covenant, there was the, light, there was the sound of mighty rushing wind. There was the scene of tongues of fire, or like tongues of fire. And I want you to see something this morning. They were on each one of them. Indicating God's promise that his Holy Spirit would come upon and be, and be within each and every one of us. As Jesus had told his disciples in John chapter 14 through 16 about the Holy Spirit, it was being fulfilled as an indication there was fire on each one of their heads. So number two is fire. And you know, fire represents a lot of things. Fire consumes and we are seeing bad fires consume things in our news today. But there is a Holy Spirit fire that he wants to b- bring upon us, upon his people. John the Baptist spoke of Jesus, said he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. There's one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. We need that consuming fire. But for there to be a consuming fire in our life, there has to be an offering. And Romans 12:1 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Some of them say, maybe King James, reasonable service. In light of all that God's done, He gave him his son. He gave us everything pertaining to life and godliness. Our response to him is to give our whole, our body as a living sacrifice, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, where he can dwell, where he can manifest through, where he can operate through, where he can empower. Amen. 
And when we do that, there is a consuming fire in our life. Our lives are consumed with his fire. Hebrews 12, 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Our lives burning for the world to see. I heard one preacher put it this way. Get on fire for God and the world will come watch you burn. This is quite a spectacle when somebody's life is fully consumed with the fire of God. People around them notice and say, man, that person's not the same. They're different. And there's evidence in their life of the fire and the Holy Spirit working and operating in their life. Fire purifies. Fire purifies. Psalm 6610 says this, For you have tried us, O God, you have refined us as silver is refined. Now, some, some of us want to get out of the kitchen when it gets hot. But sometimes there is a fire that God brings to refine us. To burn away some of the dross in our life. So that he can bring forth his silver, his gold, his precious, his precious work in our life. And just as we submit, we, get, we, love, we love the fire of power. We love the Holy Spirit and fire. But there's a fire that refines. There's a fire that burns away those things that need to go in our life. That purifies us. Jesus, purify us. And that wind, that violent, rushing, mighty wind that they heard. You know, the wind, it's the wind that drives away the chaff. And the chaff, which was the husks, the refuse of the winnowed corn, representing the worthless stuff in our life that needs to go. Come on, let that wind just blow it away. Let that fire just burn it away. Let that fire purify us, Holy Spirit. The fire spreads. Fire spreads. Sometimes there are fires that are uncontainable. When you combine a mighty rushing wind, come on somebody, with the fire, you get a wildfire that spreads rapidly and cannot be controlled. So I think there is significance in the sound of wind and the, the like flames of fire. Because that was a picture of how the church was to be. Their influence was to expand and to grow and to move quickly and spread throughout the earth. Did you know that in a 30-day period, the early church reached the known world? No internet, no social media, no advertisements, no TV ministry. They reached the entire known world. How many want that kind of normal? Where our lives are so consumed with God's fire, so purified, that he can take us and just blow the wind of his spirit and spread that fire because it's a contagious fire. When you are on fire for God and, and you, are, you are letting that, that Holy Spirit work in and through your life, it spreads. Those sparks begin to go off on other people's lives and it begins to kindle afresh in them the fire of God. See, it said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when, when Jesus was speaking to the, the disciples before his departure, for his, before his ascent, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria. Do you see the spread? And even to the remotest parts of the earth. 
The church was meant to be a force in the earth whose influence would spread rapidly. And on that day, the most perfect day, the most cosmopolitan day in Jerusalem, that is when he chose to pour out his spirit. And that says that all these people from across the, the region of the Mediterranean and northern Africa heard the mighty deeds of God in their own language. Come on, somebody. They each heard them declaring the mighty deeds of God in their own language. Awesome. I don't know. We need some awe back in our awesome. Come on. That leaves me some awe. Because <laughs> another thing about the early church is that they were in awe of God. Every day they lived in that state. So the fellowship, the fire, and then it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we go on, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Come on. I like that word filled. It wasn't drops. It wasn't sprinkles. It was filled. A.W. Tozer says that it's true that a man is truly as filled with the Holy Spirit as he wants to be. As he wants to be. I spoke two weeks ago on the vacuum of desire that we need in our lives so God can fill us completely with his Holy Spirit. Come fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. The church started off full, and they, then they stayed filled with the Holy Spirit. The church was meant to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. There's one baptism, but there are many, many fillings of the Holy Spirit, and we are to stay in a place of fullness, especially as these days draw near to His coming. Keep that lamp full of the oil of the Holy Spirit. Stay filled in the Holy Spirit. That is the key to the times we live in. Right now, it's... So number three is fullness. They had fullness. In Acts 13, 52, it says, And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you today, are you continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit, irrespective of your circumstance, irrespective of a pandemic, irrespective of chaos and riots? I can still be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Come on. And with joy. John 1.16 says, for of his fullness, we have, somebody say it, all, all received and grace upon grace. Whew. Ephesians 3.19, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you, this was Paul's prayer for his church, the church at Ephesus, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That's God's desire, for you to be filled up to all the fullness of God. Not short, not lacking, not half-filled, cup overflowing. My cup overflows. 
Not just a one-time Pentecostal experience, but an ongoing experience. He said, out of you shall flow, what? The rivers of life. Living water. Rivers of living water. So fellowship, fire, fullness. Acts chapter 2, verse 15 and 17. Through 17. For these men, because you know, these, the crowd responded. And they said, what is happening? What could this be? Some said, how could this be? Some said, what could this be? Some said they must be filled with wine. They must be drunk. You know, that's always the response of the world. They're always going to misunderstand a Holy Ghost fired up Christian. So don't try to get them to understand you. You just be who God calls you to be. And he says, Peter responds to them. He says, these are not drunk as you suppose. Come on. It's 9 a.m. It's 9 a.m. But this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit and on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your men... Young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. You know what we need? The world is looking for a this is that moment. Everything that God does in and through us is a this is that. Why? Because it's based on and fulfilling His Word. Fulfilling His Word. He prophesied it. He declared it. He will fulfill it. The Bible says in Isaiah 55 that his word will accomplish what he sent it for. It will succeed in the matter for which God intended it. So when he spoke it, you know it's going to get done. But it takes cooperation of God's people. The early church had brought themselves to a place where they could be part of the fulfillment of God's prophetic promises in their generation. Number four is fulfillment. See, our new normal needs to be fulfilling what God has spoken in his word. Fulfilling what God has spoken in his word. We can... We can speak the Bible. We should speak the word. But you know what? The word needs to become flesh. It needs to be manifest in our life. We, the world needs to see what we say we believe. They want to see. This is that. This is that. And sometimes when they're confused, you go, no, this is what God said would happen. You can watch the headlines today and you can say, you know what? This is some of that. This is some of that. These are the last days. And you know, many times when we talk about the last days, we kind of get into this, oh man, these are difficult times. Right? We highlight the negative, like all these bad things are going to happen. Yes, tribulations are going to happen. Yes, there's going to be some hard times. But let me tell you something. He prophesied some other stuff. He said... He said his church 
would have signs and wonders. They would increase. He said that there would be an ingathering. There would be a great harvest. See, that's what Pentecost began is the harvest. The gathering. That we would be witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We would fulfill God's desire for his message to go throughout the earth. You see, it's his desire that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's his desire that all men should be saved. Now, we know that's not going to happen, but we are going to believe and act and pray and obey so as if it will. We're going to be faithful to what God's called us to be, like the early church. Let's stand to our feet this morning as we close the service. Hallelujah.